Anyway, since we seem to be out of witnesses, I thought I'd drink a little. Afternoon. Happy Friday afternoon, Tyler. Happy Friday. We've moved our uh, our taping back to Fridays, uh, or at least yeah. this week we have. Yeah, it's because we've been occupied and you've been in some stressful litigation this week. And uh, so we moved back to Friday, but we may be. There we go. I do have a gin and tonic. Ah, very nice. I've got my uh, my whiskey sour again. This is my go-to the past little while, these hot summer days. I like to mix it up a little bit. I thought about a beer. I had some St. Tao in the fridge, but all of a sudden a gin tonic struck me as delightful. So that's what we have. Our other business partner likes a good gin and tonic. That was his go-to for a long time. We should invite him on here sometime. Get his take on and a straight lock cocktail. All right, but he can't be boring. We got to get him animated a little bit. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to talk today about your week. You had uh, uh, a stressful week trying to help out a client. I understand. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a little bit stressful. Uh, funny thing is, there isn't even a lawyer on the other side. The stress was, uh, I. I would say the administration of our justice system uh, was really stressful, uh, a barrier that ought not be there. Not only is it inconvenient, it actually shouldn't be there. That's the problem. So I, I put out a little teaser uh, yesterday. Oh, I knew we were going to talk about this. And, and on my Twitter, I asked a couple questions to uh, the Twitter sphere. Does COVID absolve the system from being required to be open? Because that was part of your issue, as I understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, let me, I, let me explain the, the problem or the issue, and then we'll, yeah, we can dissect that. That's good. So, yeah, I had a client show up uh, Monday, was it Monday afternoon, and say, look, he thinks that there's this court order that was granted uh, without him having any notice that says the child that he takes care of and has been the essentially only caregiver of uh, and who has some pretty severe medical issues uh, was to be taken out of his care and put into mom's care. Uh, And he explained to me his concerns that uh, that could be very detrimental for the child, uh, considering the child's needs uh, and the mom's uh, lack of resources, let's say. So this was pretty concerning that a court would give a court order without any notice that would change the primary care of the child. Uh, Like I say, without any notice, that's kind of fundamental to our system is that you need to know the case against you or at least know a cases against you. So let me unpack this a little bit um, just to make it clear to anyone who's listening. So there was an order granted what we call ex parte, which means without notice, to the other person, right? Right. And now, basically every ex parte order I've ever received or had served upon my clients have included a requirement that they serve along with the order 
the application and the affidavit that would give you some sense of why the order was granted. I'm assuming the order provided that your client was at least given the application and the evidence upon which the application was made. Is that the case? Not only were we not given the application or affidavit when I requested it from the courthouse, I was told to fill out a form and they would get it to me in 10 to 14 days. Okay. I did fill out that form three or four days ago. I explained that it was an emergency. Still haven't got, still haven't got it. We still don't know. So, Nothing. So an order is made that it, at least according to your client, put a young child at risk of serious harm. And he wasn't even given a copy of the application along with the order. Nothing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Horrible. So, okay. So now did the order give him some opportunity to bring it back before a judge immediately if it was with found to be without basis or? No, there was a review date. Uh, let's see. Two weeks later. So, so that's problematic. So then he comes to me and I think, well, I better do something about this, right? Okay. So what I do is I get a hold of the clerks at the provincial court in Calgary and I say, look, uh, we got a bit of an issue here. This order was granted. We got some serious concerns about it. Uh, and we need to talk to a judge about it. And they say, so look here. Oh, sorry. I'm go ahead. assuming they said, well, that's fine. We'll get back to you and we'll get a judge to speak to you you know, within 24 hours or something like that. Is that kind of what they did? They said to me, uh, look, you're going to have to get an application before the court, uh, which, hey, fair enough. Uh, but all the lists are full and you're probably not going to get in before August 31st in any event. Okay. And this is a direct sort of result of the COVID restrictions. Is that your sense of thing? Yeah, that I don't know. I mean, I know that the lists are pretty full because there's a backlog because there there was no court sittings for some time. And I know that uh, provincial court family matters are uh, particularly backed up. And so, yeah, I get that, that, that there's some issues with that. My concern is we had somebody who's not a lawyer who was able to get a court order in one day uh, without any notice to the other party. And then we got, a, we got me, the lawyer, who can't even get a judge to listen to me in one day or two days or actually three days is what it turned into. Yeah. Couldn't even get a judge to listen to me on it. So in the day that were me, um, you can walk into provincial court during a docket day and express to a judge that you have this problem. If you couldn't actually go see a judge, we don't have open courts like that right now due to COVID. Is that correct? It's sort of correct. So in Calgary, I think that they do have some people who are physically in the courtroom and there is a judge and there is a, a clerk in the physical courtroom. And then there's a few lawyers or parties in the courtroom. Uh, it's not, it's discouraged. You sh they um, don't want you to be in the courtroom. They want you to appear virtually. Cause down here in Queens bench, my applications have all been virtual you're on zoom or webex actually yeah and for the most part the judges aren't actually sitting in that physical courtroom you're right yeah so typically it's not the case but provincial court calgary they are actually in the courtroom with a clerk and there's a few parties there uh well, this kind of raises the issue that 
it was in my tweet earlier about whether COVID means justice is no longer open. And, and the general concept is, I've been doing this 34 years, is justice has to be open to public scrutiny. With very few exceptions, the courtroom is an open place where the public is entitled to go see what's going on, even if they're not directly involved. Now, there's some child welfare, adoption, some limited criminal matters, but for the most part, general litigation, including family litigation, is open court. So, so they, as I understand, Tyler, well, maybe tell me where you went, but my understanding is you, you basically went to court via WebEx to try and speak to a judge when the clerk refused to facilitate you contacting a judge through them. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so I attended court virtually like this. And so I just signed into the courtroom and then the clerk, uh, there's a little chat box. The clerk said, what are you doing here? Or, or do you have a matter? Uh, which is typical in, in court, you'd ha usually go chat with the clerk and they would know what you're not there on. And I explained to the clerk, yeah, I've got an emergency application that needs to be heard. Uh, there was an ex parte order granted. Uh, there's a review date, but unfortunately there's, uh, there's risk of irreparable harm to a child. So I need it reviewed today. Uh, and I'm happy to wait until the end of the list and talk to the judge then. The clerk says to me, look, we got a full list here and you, you shouldn't be here call the clerk's office and try to arrange something. It's not already tried, but I thought, you know, let me try again. So I stay in the courtroom, pause my, my mute my mic, call the clerk's office. And I explain to the clerk, look, here's where we're at. I'm in this courtroom. I'm waiting for the judge, but it's an emergency. And that clerk says they're busy and they, you know, it's not great. Um, and they'd like me to talk to you and see if I can arrange something. Can you help me arrange something? Uh, and she says to me, look, uh, I've heard about you. I, if you're in that courtroom virtually, you're not supposed to be there. You don't have anything on the list. She says, I would like the name of the managing partner at your law firm so that I can report you because you're acting inappropriately. Okay. So you're asserting your client's interests. Which is uh, my duty. Yeah, absolutely. And they threaten to report you to your partner. <laughs> right. Your managing partner. <laughs> Whoever that is. Yeah. Which is effectively you being your one of three partners and we all manage our firm. Right. Um, Okay, so what happened then? Well, I realized this is not getting me anywhere. So I hang up the phone on her, and then my plan is I'll just wait in the courtroom till the judge, uh, till everyone else is gone, and the judge will say, look at me and say, oh, who are you? What do you want? And so I hang up the phone, look at my look at my the, the screen where I'm in the courtroom, and the clerk boots me out. I get kicked out of the courtroom. That is hugely problematic. Now I've had at least two clerks create a complete roadblock for justice they and you know what the clerks in lethbridge fantastic both provincial court and court of queen's bench uh we work together really amicably uh we work together to administer justice and we're not doing it against the public we're not doing it against anyone's interests if it's a lawyer on the other side we work with them if it's a self-represented litigant on the other side guaranteed we're working with them I, but in calgary and provincial court in a matter of two, three days, I had these two clerks, at least, uh, create a complete roadblock for me to access any sort of justice, where we've got a risk of irreparable harm to a very young child, and they're tell and I get kicked out of a courtroom. I'm a lawyer, and I got kicked out of a courtroom. It's completely unacceptable. And, and in fairness, I mean, you, you are proceeding based on, on the evidence from your client as to the state of affairs. 
Yeah. Presumably the mother has a slightly different perspective. Right. But at least in theory, you have a situation where a child's life could be at risk. Mm -hmm. And you are seeking to at least have an audience with the court before that order is enforced. And basically you're stymied. Yeah. Now if I have a judge tell me, you don't have a case, I'm not going to hear it, blah, 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 whatever. If a judge is going to shut it down, you know what? That's what it is. That's the system. There's a, the, the, there's a whole system set up for that. If I don't like what that judge said, I can try to appeal it to a higher judge. Don't want what that judge says. You can appeal it. There's an appeal system, right? When a clerk, when the, when the coordinator, when the administrator, when the staff just kicks me out of the courtroom, what am I left with? What's the procedure? What's the process? What do you do? And the thing that struck me when, when you brought this to my attention and, and you were a little more frustrated then than you are now, and we'll get into where things went from there. But sure. the thing that struck me, and, and I mentioned it on my on my tweet, because I think it is relevant. Your client was was an Aboriginal person. And 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 my experience has been marginalized people generally, but in particular in Canada, Aboriginal people, they struggle with how to deal with authority and and courts and police. And so the thing that struck me was without your assistance, there's no chance in hell that this gentleman is going to be able to stand up to the inertia of this behemoth system that doesn't seem to have any capacity or check and balance in an immediate sense to what could have been a very problematic order. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, completely fair to say. I've had, you know, we live in Lethbridge, right? And so uh, we do have uh, lots of uh, Aboriginal clients. And, they, and, and you know what, that's a particular thing we need to pay attention to. It's important when you have an Aboriginal client to pay attention to that. Because, yeah, we are operating in a system uh, that they haven't operated in or don't always operate in. And, um, and culturally uh, and historically, it's a, it's a different system than what what they are used to. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's very important. He, and yeah, the, I mean, I don't know that any client would have been able to find any resolution. Uh, yeah, so this was, it was, yeah, it was tough. And then beyond that, you, like you, you indicated, well, it's not even that a judge dismissed your application. It's not even for that matter that a judge said, you have no business in this virtual courtroom, Mr. Pollock, you need to leave. And if that happened, I'd take issue with it still. If a judge said, I'm not even going to listen to you, I got a bit of a problem. But when I don't even get that far, when I have an administrative staff saying, here you go, you're out of here. And this is what strikes me. And this is what, you know, sometimes I bitch about this stuff. And, 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 and I should be fair. My mother is a former administrator of family court in Lethbridge, provincial court. Um, and I know many of the clerks on a personal basis. Their job is not easy. Oh, for sure. The, the administration of justice is a complex animal. But one of my big bitches is that the system exists to make the system more easily functional for the administration of the system, not for the people that need the system. And, and this is perhaps one of the worst examples I've seen in a long time of that example, which is 
This is inconvenient for the administration. We have too many matters on today. So if a child is injured or, you know, uh, suffers harm because you can't have some opportunity to question an ex parte order, oh, well, as long as the clerks in Calgary aren't put out. And I find that so fundamentally offensive. And it's such a struggle. Uh, you know, I've dealt with the self-represented litigants program uh, in Canada. And, and over and over and over again, we deal with parties that say, it just seems like the system is designed to prevent you from getting justice. And, and I don't agree with that. That's not what it's designed to do, but it's the effect in many cases that that's what it does. And in this case, at least at the initial steps, that's what it did. It denied this gentleman an opportunity to say, well, hold on a freaking minute. Am I not entitled to say that there's a problem with this? Um, so, so let me go beyond that. So clerk throws you out. You've made a valiant effort, Tyler. I'm assuming you called your client and said, I've done what I can do. My apologies for the system. Good luck. Is that kind of what happened or what happened after that? No, that's not how we do things. <laughs> uh, no. So, you know, we got to put a little thought into what to do at that point. Right. Because then what, what do you do? Uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't even been able to talk to a judge. Uh, there's, uh, you know, what do you do? And so I kind of rattled my brain and, and I think you and I chatted a little bit and what I needed to do is I needed to get uh, in front of a judge who has jurisdiction to hear this. And so it's a little tricky to figure that out. We've got this order from a judge um, that we find really offensive and, um, and clear. How, right. The judge we found offensive is the order we found. Offensive. Oh yes. Let's make that very clear. The order we found offensive. So, so yeah. So what I did is I filed an appeal of that order and in the application for an appeal, I asked for a stay and I did this in the higher court in the court of Queens bench. And I did it in the proper judicial district, in my opinion, which is in Lethbridge because the child resides closer to Lethbridge than uh, the Calgary courthouse. Um, and so I did that here and the court staff in Lethbridge, both in provincial court and in the court of Queens bench were able to functionally assist me in getting in front of a judge you know, and it's not, they had any bias. They didn't think, oh, Tyler should win or whatever. It was just, oh yeah, Tyler says that this needs to get in front of a judge. Judges make judges decisions. They got me in front of a judge and, you know, to be hundred percent fair, I made sure that the mother who obtained this order without any notice, I made sure that she was able to be in the courtroom uh, virtually as well. She attended via telephone. And, uh, and then we got to, we got to lay it out in front of a higher court judge to make a decision as to, well, what do we do uh, at least until this order gets reviewed in a couple of weeks? So uh, yeah, we were successful in having that order stayed, which just means that they're going to stay enforcing it. So uh, the order is not going to be enforced uh, and actually extends until that order expires. So effectively come uh, the review date, we'll more or less start over uh, and figure out, okay, what is in the best interest of this child? So on the review date, 
both the father and the mother are going to have the full opportunity to put their case before a judge and to have a judge make a, at least an interim decision after hearing both parties fully. Is that yes. my plan now? I would say more or less. My concern still would be, are we going to be able to see the materials that were relied upon that gave this initial order? Can we see those? Am I ever going to see that? So it'd be nice to see those beforehand. Uh, and that's usually part of our system that we know the case against you. You would know what your what the deal is. Uh, but still to date, I don't have those. We'll see when I get them. Uh, yeah, I was able to order some transcripts uh, from that hearing that, of course, we didn't know about. Uh, and I was able to do so without the input or the help of the clerks in Calgary, who basically, as far as I know, my assistant was talking with them. You know, my assistant says, look, I need to know the time. Can you help me figure out when this was there in that courtroom? And they said, no, you have to submit a request and it'll be another 10 to 14 days. And so we were able to narrow it down enough for the, the transcript company to, to, I think, find them without needing the help of the clerks in Calgary. So, so it's interesting because your experience is that some clerks you dealt with were not only unhelpful, but they were obstructive to justice. Oh, for sure. And in Lethbridge, clerks uh, were very facilitating, not in you getting your way, but in nope. at least getting you in front of a judge. That's right. That's exactly right. Which would seem to be what we ought to be trying to do, wouldn't you think? Yes, we need to facilitate justice, especially if that's your job, right? Holy cow. And, uh, and, and so that's what struck me, right? So, so effectively, you know, and to get back to this open court issue, you know, you were in court, in open court. At any time, did you speak up and, and say, hey, judge, uh, you suck? Uh, say anything offensive or rude? Did you speak at all in the courtroom when you were on WebEx? Didn't say a word. I used a messenger service on the side to speak with the clerk directly. Didn't up interrupt any proceedings. The judge had actually just barely walked in by the time I got kicked out. So. And the clerk, did you did you text her and say, you're a terrible human being. You, you, your mother smells of elderberries. Um, did you do anything offensive or off color in your discussion with the clerk even? Not even a little bit. You know, I, I, think I, I, I think I said earlier what my words were that, you know, I was there on, uh, on an emergency matter. There was an ex parte order that was granted to yesterday or the day before and that I needed to have it reviewed uh, on an emergency basis and that I had an application prepared. Um, that's all that I said. So, so it struck me when, you know, and, and beyond the, the prejudice to your client, the idea that effectively you're in a courtroom, which is an open place for the public and justice needs not only to be done, but needs to be seen to be done. And you're thrown out. You are effectively thrown out of an open courtroom by a judicial clerk without basis. Now, we can back up a hair just to make sure we're being completely fair or at least that we're trying to be. Uh, I know that these WebEx hearings, the court has kind of said, we don't want a bunch of people logging in because there's some issues with that, with microphones and confusion and too many people. And 
while I get that the administration of that can be difficult, it's really important, and it always has been, that those courtrooms are open to everybody. I've heard a story of a judge, and maybe you know this better than I do, who would insist that the courtroom doors to the, that lead to the hallway of the court wouldn't be shut because justice needs to be seen to be done. So, you know, the fact that you would throw a lawyer out who says, I got an emergency, I got to talk to a judge is horrendous, just horrendous. People should be welcome. The media should be welcome. You know, that's a, that's the media has always been an important kind of check and balance with government systems generally. And that's the thing that strikes me is, is would it really have been so difficult for the clerk to pass on a message to the judge saying, oh, there's a lawyer here, Tyler Pollock, and he has a question about an ex parte order. What would you like to do, judge? Would that how hard would so yeah, how hard could that be? Uh, well, it wouldn't. It would be no. simple. It would be the simplest little thing that would allow the judge, if he or she wanted, to say, "I'm sorry, Mr. Pollock, but I can't hear you today." And better yet, um, but I'll tell you what, I will hear you tomorrow. Or if you contact Madam Clerk, I will direct her to find you a judge to speak to tomorrow. That would have been relatively simple from my perspective, and it seemed to be a little too much, at least in the Judicial District of Calgary or Judicial Center now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and so I wanted an opportunity to talk about this, both because I know it frustrated you, but, but it's just a microcosm of the problems that we've been having with justice, where um, I think we have needless bureaucracy and complexity uh, that ultimately uh, destroys our capacity to deliver justice to most Canadians. And it's interesting at British Columbia, and they don't have family law, but I was, I was online yesterday talking to some lawyers, got in Jordan Furlong, who's quite well known in Canada uh, about uh, innovation and justice and made a comment about some conversation I had with Noel Semple who's a professor at the University of Windsor. And they brought to my attention uh, in British Columbia, there's a new civil justice program. And it's very streamlined and it's designed to allow people without lawyers to function fairly well. And it's almost like Judge Judy, but sort of online where, what's your problem? Tell me what it is. We'll send you know this to the other person They'll tell me what their response is, and we'll give you a written decision hmm. and charge you a little fee. But uh, and I think it's matters, uh, I think it's under $5,000 and also dealing with minor motor vehicle accident injury claims. Oh, wow. But the, it doesn't have to be this complicated. It doesn't have to be um, fill this form, that form out in quadruplicate and provide this, that, and the other thing, it can be quite simple. But for some reason, and bureaucracy loves to create more bureaucracy. And, and, and the cynics that watch this, non-lawyers in particular, they go, well, it's to keep people out, right? There's a method to this madness, which is they don't want people in the system that aren't professionals. They don't want non-lawyers. They don't want people 
functioning in a place that's restricted for the chosen few, like you and me, and the clerks, and the judges. And that strikes me as fundamentally wrong, that we should simplify our system so that people can get there. Now, uh, the law is complex. You don't go to law school and then article and write bar exams because it's easy. And even if it's simple to get in, the odds are nine times out of 10 in an argument between a competent lawyer and somebody who's not a lawyer, the non-lawyer is going to lose, but at least they have the opportunity to be there. And, and what happened in your case is so offensive in my opinion, because there was, there was this indifference to the reality of, of a serious potential problem. So, so what are you doing about that? Are you writing a letter? Have you made a complaint? What's the... Yeah, you know, I haven't quite decided. I've been pretty busy and I haven't quite decided how to handle it. I think it is something that, you know, I think it's my duty to follow up with this and, and make sure something is heard at least. Whether something can be done or not, I don't know, but it should be heard. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I could contact the, the clerk's uh, manager or supervisor up there and say, look, here's the issue I'm facing. And I'm sure that person is, you know, uh, under a lot of stress about administering things, especially as things are changing so rapidly in all our court systems uh, being virtual and, and things like that. So they'll be frustrated. Um, and I'm sure that they hear lots of complaints about issues with administration. Um, so, I'm, you know, I guess that's one route to go. Um, you know, this is another route talking more with other media could be another route. Um, yeah, I don't know yet. In fairness to, to even these clerks, and county clerks have been notoriously difficult, but even in fairness, one of the struggles of the provincial court generally is they're very procedurally bound because they have no inherent jurisdiction. It's all statutory. And, and to people that aren't lawyers, that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense but one of the struggles is that if the act and the statute doesn't say this is how you do it there's a sense we can't do it that way and most of the acts and statutes say here's the form here's this form and here's what can be done and here's the three remedies and it's very that's right provincial court limited in that sense whereas this court of queen's bench we say has inherent jurisdiction they can sort of deal with everything inherently they can grant justice inherently so but it's, I can appreciate the limitations, but curious. I, I recall a few years back, I, I was fortunate to uh, to go to Betty Ford with a group of judges and lawyers for about a week to to gain greater understanding about addiction and and cycles of addiction and that sort of thing. And there were some provincial court judges there, in particular uh, Judge Fisher from Medicine Hat, and and we got into this discussion. I expressed my frustration uh, with provincial court compared to court of Queens bench. And he said, well, why wouldn't you go to provincial court? I said, because it's harder and it takes more time. And at the end, it's probably more expensive for my clients. And it seemed all like incredulous. And I said, well, here's an example, judge Fisher. I said, in court of Queens bench, if I have a consent order agreed to between me and the other lawyer, interim support, something, 
The two of us can sign that order. I can walk into Chambers on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning, and it takes me five minutes. I explain it to a judge, and they sign the order, and you're done. You can't do that in provincial court. I said, provincial court, if there's a negotiation on an interim basis and you come to some resolution, you can't walk into court with a consent order. You've got to file a formal application. You've got to provide reasonable notice. And you've got to set it down for a week. And then you've got to wait and come into court and wait till your matter gets called. Uh, and, and I said, just that is more expensive and more time consuming. Now, what a minor example, but that's exactly right. Imagine the cost and I got to draft an application and you can't do it half-assed, right? Like you got to make sure you're doing a good job because what if the consent order follows through? You got to make sure the application's drafted well. So, you know, you're putting maybe an hour, maybe two, whatever it is into that. Uh, yeah, you got to serve it. You got to make sure you have probably have an affidavit to service to, to show that all the steps have been taken and then you got to go and when show you up. Talk to the clerks, in fairness, um, and they've had these conversations with provincial clerks. They say, well, I don't have the file. So when you come into court with a consent order, I don't know what's going on because I can't make an endorsement. So they, they make notes on everything that happens with the files, right? You know, there was an order granted, blah, 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 particularly because they deal with a lot of non-lawyers in provincial court. Mm -hmm. But yet, some, you know, reams of self-represented parties in the court of Queen's bench now they have the same issue. You walk in with a consent order, there's no file there. So I don't really understand completely the, the rationale for why provincial court has to be as, as uh, cumbersome, perhaps. Cumbersome when it's supposed to be a simpler level of court. More, e more easily accessible is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I find the opposite. Yeah, you're right, typically. I haven't filed a provincial court application in 20 years. I haven't filed one in a very long time, yeah. You know, I don't like the judges or the clerks. No. It's, it's a more cumbersome place to go and it is more difficult to get from A to B in provincial court than it is in the court of Queen's Bench, which is completely counterintuitive. Now, I should say this, in fairness, that I did uh, in about 2016 or so work with uh, some of the at least one judge that I can recall and some of the clerks in provincial court here in Lethbridge. And some, uh, so there was some uh, streamlining of some processes uh, that was within their ability and control. So, so, you know, again, that's an example of how our clerks have been really good to work with and they're able, they have been able to do stuff. And what I'm speaking of in particular uh, is a few things. One is you used to show up and they would just start calling all the matters in order of seniority. And if I'm sitting there and I have to talk for one minute to adjourn something or to enter a consent order or whatever, I, I just need a minute. Sometimes I'd have to wait three or four hours to get through all of, and so then they started doing this. I, and I made the suggestion and, I, and maybe others had as well. Uh, and the court took it really well. And they said, okay, yeah, we'll deal with adjournments first. And that's just, that, that's been a, just a fantastic change. So I know that that's one thing. When did you do that? It was about 2016. I actually think I still have the letter from the judge somewhere where he says, yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to facilitate that. That's a great idea. And I remember I would bring it with me to court on occasion in case they didn't do it first that I would, then I'd be able to pipe up and say, hold on a second. Uh, we're so supposed the to is, they've been doing that in the court of Queens bench since I articled in 2000, 1985. 
So think about that, right? The simplest little thing that helps move things along, they didn't figure out that that might be beneficial. Till 2016. 31 years. Like it, it just, it boggles the mind. And, and you know, it, it struck me, I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a Twitter hound. Um, one of the things uh, I saw today, uh, uh, a young woman, Chelsea Rogers, at Chelsea Rogers 95. Um, and I'm just going through Twitter and being angry at the throngs of people who hate each other because they're right or left or whatever. And she tweeted uh, this morning, today is my first day of law school. And I get really cynical and I get bitchy about what I do sometimes. And she's so excited. And I remember my first day of law school and how in both intimidating and exciting it was. And the comment I made to her was, best of luck, be curious, and challenge, always challenge conventional wisdom. Creative thought will seldom come from the bench, from law societies, or lawyers in practice. And what you've told me is just that, right? That, that the legal system, worse than perhaps every other in a system, it just struggles against innovation and it resists change, even when it's for its own benefit. And I think, you know, and you're a younger lawyer, obviously, than I am. And this, this uh, young woman is younger yet. She's just 1L. Um, but, uh, you know, when I talk to young lawyers, just that. Try not to lose your imagination because this system will beat it out of you if you let it. Right? There, yeah. there is a, a, an inertia, a conventional wisdom that permeates what we do as lawyers in the worst kind of way that stifles anything that looks like innovation or consideration of new and, and better ways of doing things. So, And we've talked about this a lot. It's not just the bureaucracy of the court system. It's law firms and lawyers. It's the government. It's sending me letters. It's attaching a letter to an email and sending it to me. It's, yeah, old-fashioned systems. It's paper files. It's, yeah. But it's like this. This is the analogy that struck me. Um, you go in the lunchroom when you're in high school, right? And everybody is on their best behavior not to stick out because they need to be popular with the cool kids because kids are so damned cruel for those that are different or odd or unique. And the practice of law is really like a shitty lunchroom in a crappy high school somewhere. where, you know, let's just all be conventional. Let's not stick out too much. I mean, we'll make the arguments, you know, and once in a while, you know, we'll raise our voice a little bit. But for the most part, you know, there's this clubbishness in what we do where it's much safer to toe the line and to not do what you did and certainly not do what we're doing now. But the problem with that is you end up with the emperor wearing no clothes for three or 400 years and nobody's got the guts to say, this mother's naked. Because for them to do that risks expulsion from the tribe. And the tribe is the lawyers and the law societies 
and the judges, right? And I think we don't acknowledge that to the extent we should. And so I think what you did is quite exceptional to be congratulated. I was quite proud of you for standing up for your client and, and sending a message, particularly to, to a young Aboriginal man, that as a Caucasian person, we give a shit, right? That we're not about to put our interests in being popular with the cool kids in the lunchroom ahead of doing our job, which is fighting, you know, within the bounds of ethics for our clients. So I appreciate you doing that and sharing that. Well, thanks. I can say, uh, yeah, the client was uh, happy with the outcome. And uh, I know that uh, the clerks here in town, when I went to go file the order that we got as a result of uh, the appearance in the higher court, the clerks were uh, pleased that I had done what I did. And, uh, you know, I put them to a bit of extra work in a couple of days and they were happy to do it and happy to help as far as administering uh, justice goes. So, so thanks to them too. Well, good. So anyway, that's, you know, I pontificate a little bit there. But I do, I, I uh, sincerely, uh, uh, it's been a while since I put my neck out there like you did today or this week. So that's good. That's, uh, that's yeah, really there's a few clerks who don't like me. And I guess it makes no one ever mind to me, especially considering you know, it was unfortunate, but I didn't need them to to go about getting the result that was necessary. And uh, yeah, hopefully the judge, uh, hopefully the judge doesn't, <laughs> that granted the original order doesn't take any offense. Uh, I can appreciate that that's a tough role to be in and you're getting bombarded with facts and who knows, and long lists. Oh, but it's uh, not, and it's not as if for a moment we've said today, well, that judge was completely inappropriate. I mean, I have some concerns no. about that order. Yes. But, you know, um, the judge did what they apparently thought was the right thing to do at that moment. Um, it was the administration. It was those clerks that yeah. barred me from accessing justice that was the problem, to be clear. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've been on there go. Know, 245, so probably 40 minutes or so. All right, well, let's leave everybody alone. Plenty. Any plans for the weekend? Uh, I got to work. I'm behind two days now because I was uh, dealing with this so extensively. So I got to catch up. Yeah, I have... Uh, what do I have going on? Nothing major. I got an application I got to deal with. Filing some documents, speaking of which, that's... Uh, probably going to occupy some time this weekend, but got a real estate deal that my clients want to meet with me on Sunday and it doesn't look like that's going to work, but not too bad. No rest for the wicked. Probably. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we take a little break, but not this weekend. Yeah. I will be playing some call of duty. <laughs> so if anybody's playing modern warfare, look for Sergeant rock with two R's R R O C K. And if uh, during the game you have some legal questions, throw them at me. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, you have a good weekend. All right. You too. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.